If your theology is not morphing, you're not walking with God. <laughs> you're tuning in to Coach and Joe, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to Coach and Joe. I feel like we're ready for a good episode here. Oh, yeah. Springtime's here, sunny today. 60-something degrees. I read recently in the upstate we've gotten more rain than Seattle in the past year. And since, like, September, we hadn't gone three days without rain. I went to my son's golf match last week. Zero percent chance of rain. That's what the people say. It's the job that is just no accountability in Zero life. Zero accountability. Make $100,000 a year and just say, like, I don't know. I think it's going to be They make that much? Oh, yeah, if not more. Really? Yeah, on the news channel. It's zero percent chance of rain. I don't take my umbrella in. It starts pouring on number seven. It's, it's like a locust curse or something. Ever since you moved here, it's been raining. Don't blame this on me. Don't blame this on me. It's it, not my fault. I don't. I'm one of the. If I lived in Alaska, I would buy one of those sun lamps. You ever been in a tanning booth? Never in my life. Chris King, you ever been in a tanning booth? Yeah. Fan? No. You want to hear a funny story? Yes. So I was going to the beach. This is a few years ago. And I was more white than Jim Gaffigan. And I said, I can't do this. So I went and got in a tanning booth. almost had a panic attack. I couldn't get to the top of the thing. You basically get in a coffin that shoots out cancer cells at you. <laughs> and, and I got I got out of the tanning booth and I came home and my wife, <laughs> she thought she thought someone had painted me with something what orange. What did she say? I went to the beach, and I was glowing orange. Think about how stupid of a person I, you have to be, which is me, to get into a tanny booth. You want to hear something else I did one time? Yeah. Put my hand on a King James Bible. I'm telling you the truth. Oh, gosh. Um, I had done Body for Life. It was a 12-week workout program. I worked my butt off. I got, I'll show you the after pictures. You wouldn't believe it. And after, after right before I took the pictures, I I was driving down the road over in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I saw beside this grocery store, it was some sort of fat wrap. I'm not kidding you. Where you you get wrapped up like a burrito. I'm not I'm not joking. And you lose like three inches in thirty minutes, and they about strangle you to death. Wrapping you. <laughs> have you y'all heard of this? They wrap me. Have you, Chris? You have. What's it called? It's a body wrap. Body wrap. Body wrap. And I got out of there. It only lasted for like two days. It like sucked all liquid out of my body. But I like shrunk three inches. And even I went home that day and Wendy was like, look, you lost weight. And I didn't tell her I spent 110 bucks to get wrapped so tight that I, I really did think I was going to have a panic attack. Tanning booth. Have you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get in a tanning booth. No. Gosh, no. What need do I have to get tan? I'm black. I don't know. <laughs> Does your skin change at all in the summer? Oh, yeah, it gets dark. Yeah. You remember this? I told you I got dark, and you went, what What do you, what do you mean? We did this on a podcast. I think I, I vaguely remember. Vaguely. I said I get do you lay out, I know you fish. Do you lay out in the sun? No. Huh. When you go to the beach, <laughs> when you go to the beach, what do you do? Oh, yeah, at the beach I will, but not for the sake of getting So, like, color. white people, I'm going to tell you what we do at the beach. All right. Like, I lay out in the sun for 12 hours. What's the I tan like a Greek god. I'm not kidding you. You get you get tan right now. I'm white. I promise you, I tan. 
If you went to the beach with my family, what would you do all day? I would fish, probably. I love to fish. White people are strange that way. <laughs> and some of these white people, they put these um, <laughs> aluminum things. It's like, bake me, kill me, sun god. <laughs> what are we doing? We get in tanning beds, then we go to the beach, and we lay. <laughs> well, that's the episode for today. <laughs> Hope it blessed you. I am excited about sunshine, though. Yeah? Yep. I am. I, I, I just love warm weather. I'm not a cold weather guy. I've never had a pair of sunglasses till now. I got them for Christmas. In your life? Yeah. Well, I think you're 27. And you've never had a pair of sunglasses? Uh, I lose things. I lose them a lot. But those are polarized. They're good for fishing. I love them. I might lose them, though. I have an obsession. I don't have an obsession with many things. I don't care what car I drive. That. I have an obsession with sunglasses. Tommy, what's the what's the brand? Not Tommy. Maui Jim. Maui Jim. Oh, my gosh. Who is Tommy Bahamas? I was about to say. Is that somebody? Uh, some fat white guy in the <laughs> Bahamas. <laughs> Maui Jim, is that your thing? I used to call it, instead of uh, Tommy Hilfiger, Bubba Hilfiger. <laughs> Maui Jim's my thing, yeah. Uh, Ray-Bans are okay. Whatever ones you were wearing today were cool. They are. They're Maui Jim's. Yeah, they were given to me. Sunglasses can make someone in the summertime. You can go from looking like an idiot to like pretty cool in ten seconds. You put on a pair of sunglasses. The three hundred and fifty dollar pair of Maui gems, the ones that I worship. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, they're unbelievable. Three fifty. Oh yes, That's, it's like a car payment. That, that like is. it's emotionally. I, I want to go look at them. I was in the London airport recently. They had. I bet you they had four hundred pair of sunglasses. And I was like, Father, 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 please just, if I, if I, get, I wonder if I get steel tin, I'm just run down the, I, I love them. The only reason that we're, we're winding into this intro is because we're about to speak some truth. And I can tell you, you're going to lead this thing, but the only reason that we're laughing as much is because we're about to come with some. Yeah, probably so. I want to talk sword. about, yeah, I want to talk about a mistake that I made Previously, you know, our theology is always morphing. If your theology is not morphing, you're not walking with God. Ah! <laughs> I'm serious. You say, I've had the same theology 30 years. Well, you stopped walking with God 30 years ago. <laughs> I'm serious. Amen. If my theology is not what Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God, amen. There are things I'm embarrassed about that I used to believe. Abram's theology changed in a matter of moments. Hey, I want to make you prosperous. I'm going to bless you with a baby boy. Yes. And I'll go kill him. Yes. That's the God that we serve. He's the God of do what I say, when I say, how I say it. Any questions? You know why no, Paul's theology of suffering was so awesome? Why is that? Because he suffered. He suffered way more after he had an encounter with Jesus than he did before. Mm -hmm. well, you know, people wouldn't conference hop looking for a cocaine hit in the spirit. That's one other encounter with an angel. If you realize if you have a genuine encounter with Jesus, it always leads to going through cycles of extreme squeezing by the Father. Yeah. I'm serious, man. People comfort stop all the time thinking that if I have an encounter with the Lord, they may not say it this way, encounter with the Lord in some way, it'll lighten the load of my life. I think it's the opposite. I think Jesus brings tension into our lives to squeeze things out of us that don't need to be there. And see, this message of righteousness has become, if I'm righteous in Christ and I'm as clean as Christ, I'm a new creation, then there's, there, they wouldn't say it, but there's really no need for sanctification because I've arrived. And, and he suffered so I don't have to. That's, listen to yourself. It's the most ridiculous thing, but I believe that, especially when I first turned to more charismatic streams of theology and started believing in the new creation. What are we doing? You know, a, a lot of things that aren't Jesus, 
to be honest with you. And it's really sad because it's robbing it's robbing from us. Because let's be honest, we've got 80 to 90 years here on a good lifetime. Tops. Before we're with him in eternity. This is the only chance we have to suffer. This is it. Like he's going to shoot us up into, into heaven with him and suffering will be gone. So what an opportunity we have. And we already know that crowns come with it. He wants to reward us for our diligence and our faithfulness amidst the trial down here. Yet we think he came to somehow exonerate us from all hardship. God told me this. He said, Joe, <laughs> this is funny. God makes me laugh all the time. He said, Joe, most charismatics would be praying in tongues for Paul when he was blinded because they attributed the blindness to Satan. Mm-hmm. I blinded him. Jesus Christ afflicted him. You didn't even know I preached that before way back in the day. I no, you never I heard that. No. Jesus afflicted him. Mm -hmm. God blinded him. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a theology that says all sickness and infirmity is from Satan. Uh, That one wasn't. Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, Herod struck by God's angel, right? I'm just saying. Say it. It's in the word, right? Yeah. I want to to talk about something that I just... Golly, I mean, I I repent. I, I... I have believed in the past when I came into such a revelation of new creation thinking that you get to a place in Christ where you you focus on who you are in Christ. We're more than a conqueror. I'm as clean as Jesus. And as he is, so are we in this world. And and I made a tremendous mistake, and I'm being facetious. At the beach three years ago, I read a biography of the life of Paul. Mm-hmm. It was great. I've had a man crush on Paul for a long time. And I decided to do something. I decided to stop getting my theology from other, listening to other people yep. about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have read Paul's letters to the point of nausea. And Paul boasts in his weakness more than the current trend in the past 25, 30 years in the charismatic stream. It's talking about call the gold out people all the time and boast in who you are in Christ and favor, 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 favor. Paul boasted in his weakness. Not God, man. And so this is one of the things I used to preach. I used to, I used to preach that you, you can get to a place in Christ where it's impossible to offend me. You get to a place in Christ where you can't be offended. That sounds great. I think that's more denial than reality. Can we go to Luke 17.1? Luke 17.1, you may have it. I don't have it pulled up. I can grab it. It's impossible that offenses will not come. Do you have it? Yeah. Read that. Um, in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, he said to his disciples, offenses will certainly come, but woe to those through whom they come. Uh, the, one of the words you hear a lot of people use is, well, that trigger me, that trigger me. And some people say, well, I've got to a place where I can't be triggered. I want mm-hmm. to speak so clearly into Teddy Pendergrass, my Motown microphone. I've never met anyone in my life personally that that is true of. Mm-hmm. And for, when someone says, I've gotten to a place where I can't be triggered anymore, I believe that person is in so much denial. That person needs deep, deep counseling sessions I agree. With, with, a, with a professional. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, because it's boasting in a strength, which gives away that they don't actually know God. See, because the more you get to know God, the lower you become. But to boast in what you can't be offended by is the opposite of boasting in your weakness. So your mouth, your, your confession of how high on the mountain you are, 
is actually evidence to how low on the mountain you are. Because the truth, the truth is, is if you truly were a person who couldn't be offended, it would never come from your lips. Because you would know that if that was the case for who you are, the only thing that enables you to do that is the grace of the Lord, in which case there's no place for you to boast about that. See, but the problem is, is people, people don't want to die. And people want so badly to be something. So much so that even the things that Christ wants to bring, we want to take accountability for. We want to take it as it will come from us. So like, let's, say, let's just say you can get to a place in Christ where you're no longer offended. The fruit of that, if that's you, is that you'll never have to talk about that to anybody because you'll know that that's the case with the Lord. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, this doesn't offend me, God. This is amazing. But for you to turn around and boast of that, it's the antithesis of Paul. It's the antithesis of Christ. I mean, Paul, Paul goes, he goes to say he's the least of the apostles. Yeah. I'm the least of the saints. Yeah. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. He gets verbally, verbally boasted it lower. Yeah. And and you can actually track it in his epistles as he writes, because the earlier ones compared to the later ones, he's more humble in the end than he was when he started. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, all the way to Paul, the chief of sinners. That shows the trend because the closer you get to God, the more you realize how you're nothing. And so the things that come from your mouth will never be boasts. What did Christ boast in? Nothing. He took the scorn of the world. He took the shame and he was a silent lamb led to slaughter. Do you know that saying that you can't be offended or triggered? It's actually a deceptive form of self-worship. It's disgusting. It's idolatry. Because, you know you know what? Because we are cracked clay pots. Paul, ta- Paul talks about this. There are certain theologies being preached that would not agree with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You're not a cracked clay pot. You're a new creation. Mm-hmm. You're as perfect as Christ. Yep. And the old is gone and the new has come. Yeah, the new has come. And I'm still working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. The, the person that bashes counseling the most is the person that needs counseling the most. Mm-hmm. This is nothing. It's really a way to self-protect ourselves mm-hmm. because the truth is even recently with you and my wife and someone else very, very close to me help have helped point out the biggest blind spot I've ever had in leadership. I trust too easily. I do. Mm-hmm. I trust too easily. God has tried to teach me this for 10 years. Well, finally, I had Vince Gaskin, an elder at our church, pray for me recently. I've, I've gone through a tremendous... You're I, different. I'm different. I, and I thank God Almighty. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Father's like, man, that took forever. Mm-hmm. And who knows if I'm fully there, but at least I'm more there than I was. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the truth is, I had to... Thank you, Father. You're showing me right now. I had to confess my weakness for power to hit it. Do you know how embarrassing it is to have to go to you, to have to go to my wife, and have to go to someone else and and say someone else on staff and say, listen, this is what the Father has shown me. I actually went to all the elders. I, I trust too easily. I share pearl before swine. God showed me the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, I had to confess what I was not. Yeah. And actually, I even had to confess this. I had to confess it was actually out of an insecurity of my need for approval. I really don't need your approval if I don't know you, but if I know you really intimately, it's like I crave your approval. And the Father made me renounce four demigods for my life. I was like, demigods? Sean Curtis, someone on staff said, hey, I got, I got an interpretation of a dream you had last night. You need to renounce this person as uh, a Lord in your life. And, and I asked the Lord about it, and the Lord said yes. And when I went to go do that, he said, there's more. There's not just one. 
Power would not have hit my life. You've seen fruit on my tree in the past, would oh, you say, yeah. six weeks? Mm-hmm. Power is hit. How did? How has power hit me? It hasn't hit me through confessing what I should be. No. I said, I'm sorry. Because, and, and here's, the, here's the test. Even as you actually start to walk in the fullness and the freedom of this, the last thing you'll start to do is profess that thing. You'll remember that you put Jesus Christ on the cross. It's why you need to preach the gospel to yourself daily. It's why you need to personalize the message that you killed Christ, that he died because of you, not just for you, but because of you. That we are Barabbas, we're the ones who were guilty that that Christ exchanged places with. Remember that story? Barabbas was the convicted murderer guy, and, and when Jesus Christ was, was brought up before Pilate, they said, hey, we'll release one prisoner, it's a tradition, who do you want, Christ or Barabbas? And they said, give us Barabbas. We're Barabbas. We're the ones who he replaced spots with. He who knew no sin became sin. He, he took your sin upon himself. And he didn't do it so that you could profess who you now are, void of the fact that you put him on that cross. This is the seed of the Messiah complex spirit. And it's rampant. It's rampant in the charismatic stream, without a doubt. Yes. It God has shown me this and shown others this. It is a slippery slope because we have made too big of a deal out of ourselves and not enough, not a big enough deal out of the Lord. You know, grace always flows to the lowest places. Be very skeptical to ever follow a leader that never says, I don't know, or I'm sorry, or I missed it. I'm serious now. I don't know is a big one. If a leader has an answer prophetically or in the natural to every question you ask them, they don't know anything. The scriptures say, be careful. If you confess that you're wise in your own eyes, you're the biggest fool of all. Because we don't know anything. We're filled. Jesus Christ says there is so much more I wish to tell you, disciples, but if I revealed it to you right now, you couldn't bear it. Which means this. God chooses when to open our eyes to truths. Just because you feel like you haven't sinned in 25 years doesn't mean it's actually true. Maybe God's going to open your eyes up to see how full of sin you were. And Jesus goes after this thing because the Pharisees had it down to a science. If we have this displayed fruit, piety, we give to the poor, we pray, we must be really, really good internally. He says, you're actually dead bones inside. He said, not only if you commit the sin of adultery, but if you have the thought in your heart of sleeping with him, you've, con- you've con- done it. If you've gotten angry at your brother, you're a murderer. Jesus' whole point there is, is you're profoundly broken. We're all profoundly broken. And so any confession that takes you out of that realization, that's what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Anytime you confess a, new, a truth of the new creation at the expense of remembering your profound brokenness, you're being led astray in a gospel that's not Christ. Because the closer you get to Christ, the lower you have to go. And it has to come out of my mouth. I, I can't have an answer for everything. And like, this is this is like part twenty to a denial of theology. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy because it's so religious. And we typically res- like associate the religious spirit to conservative Christianity that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. Do you understand how religious it is to believe that if you just do a certain amount of confessions, it's greater than where your actual reality is? It's, it's the most religious of them all, but it's wrapped in the new creation. It's very, very demonic. It's, it's witchcraft. This is my biggest soapbox, and it's not my own revelation. I've been laying hands on myself at 3.33 in the afternoons. And for a Jeremiah 33.3 impartation, 
because you know you know the whole story. Yeah. Angel wakes me up three thirty three a.m. I tell the Bridgeway staff that the global word for the kingdom of God uh, two thousand nineteen was a Jeremiah thirty three three. Lena Bowser, the prophet from Australia, says that 2019's a Jeremiah 33-3 season. I've been asking God, including today. And he woke you up at 3.33 last night. Yeah, yeah, a week ago. A week ago. I've been laying hands on myself saying, Father, show me things that I've never known. Well, first of all, that's me confessing I don't know anything. God, God, you can't. Do you want to know where this thing went astray? And this is a whole other podcast we can get into it. But what? it's when the discipleship model broke down. Because discipleship inherently says they have something I don't have. Let's, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, hit the pause button, wrap this one up, and jump right in to what you just said. Deal. Um, yeah, let's close it there. Uh, uh, in the name of Jesus, may you ask, may you ask God to open your eyes if perhaps you're not low enough. May you, may you have the courage to ask the Father to search your own heart. And perhaps there's some things in there you, you don't know that need to bubble up so he can deal with and grace can hit it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Coach and Joe. Catch more episodes on YouTube and podcasts. To take a deeper look at friendship with God, check out coachandjoe.com.